0: There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot.
2: The sprouting deals with eldritch horrors, which is a horror beyond mortal understanding, horror not meant to be comprehended, and those that try do not often make it through the night. Do not take this warning lightly. I can assure you that this tale will most likely involve body horror, manipulations of the mind, and moral subversions offensive to a righteous soul. And as such, this might not be the tale for you. You are encouraged to take breaks when you want them, And if you return, it should be entirely when you are ready to continue. You have been warned. The Sprouting, by Blighthouse Studio. Lark's prequel. Not everyone in The Cradle, where our story is set, lives within villages or towns. Some folks manage to survive in the wilds on their instincts alone, relying on observing their surroundings, not getting tied down and being fleet of foot. It's an isolated existence, but at least they're alive. But sometimes, people are not so bad for survival. You find yourself in an abandoned two-storey building. Most of the walls have crumbled and fallen apart. Parts of the roof have collapsed in and collapsed through the floor below it. A lot of this building is covered in vines and leaves and what looks like a vine that is covered in some sort of fruit or berry. Ah, must be grapes. You can tell there's a fair amount of them here and you've decided that this, the night before, this is the place you're going to settle down, mostly free from rain and wind. You can hear if anything is coming and you have some fairly good sight lines around you. You wake up to the sound of movements outside. So, Kessir,
3: who are we looking at? We are looking at Lark. We're looking at a young, maybe... 12, 13 years old looking child. They are um, eastern looking tanned skin. They have short dark hair and wear very worn out clothing and they are uh, very short for their age. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, like you hear the sound of rustling outside and you hear what sounds like kind of like a a crackling sound um, before you hear a voice and the voice says you might want to send talk up here there are so many great she's going to love it and hear a crackling but you can't quite make out what it's saying what do you want to do? you can't see the origin of the voice the sun is kind of beginning to come up but
3: this is where you are you are very close to being found out what do you want to do? They're trying to look for a place where they can safely see the voice from, like a vantage mm-hmm. point or something that is kind of hidden behind vines, something like that, or like bushes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like you could like uh, from within the building, um, you could definitely climb like and very quietly climb some of these um Vines and um, like branches that have kind of like crept on the inside of this building that have taken part of the ceiling out. You could definitely climb some of that and like peer over the edge where the roof has collapsed in to see like whomever or however many people are below you. You can definitely do that. Um, As you kind of very quietly and stealthily climb up there, I'm going to make you roll a stealth roll. This person will no way ever be able to see you um, or hear you. Um, You notice a As you look over the edge of the building, um, you see this kind of probably mid to late teenage um, uh, young woman. Um, She has, like, dark, short curly hair and quite dark skin, Um, like, probably much darker than yours. And she seems to be, like, wearing, like, loose-fitting, like, shirt and, and trousers, not really practical for being out in the apocalypse Um, she has like a a side bag on and she seems to be holding this like small rectangular box that seems to be making that crackling sound that you're hearing every now and then and you can see her lift it to her face and just like you hear a click um, and the static cuts out and you hear her talking into it um, and you hear more crackling come from it as a response Um, and you can see that she's reaching up and grabbing like some of the the berries, the the grapes as she's calling them um, and putting them in her side bag what do you want to do
3: i think i will watch them for a little while and make sure that like they the the space is safe because uh they've been basically hiding from threats in the area yeah. recently so they're yeah. just <laughs> making sure because there there's a center pole that is making a lot of noise so they're like <laughs> making sure if they yeah, draw sh- attention then it's yeah
2: not safe. Uh, the, the young, young lady, uh, young woman below, she's not really paying any attention to her surroundings, not in the way that you would, um, definitely not in the way that you have been trying to keep yourself hidden. She's just kind of walking around like there's no big problem. Um, maybe she's just not used to being out here. Who knows? Um, could I have you make, and it's your choice, you can either make a spot hidden or
3: a listen check. <laughs> uh, let's do a spot hidden. Okay. As they are looking for threats on edge. Uh yes. S- 75 or uh, over f- 65. Oh god, how do, I forgot how to uh, do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that is uh, a
2: fail. So. Yeah. yeah. that's that's a failure. Um you don't uh, spot the hidden thing. That's fine. You look down at this girl and um once again she lifts the box and she's like no Leila you have to come like you, you have to send talk up here at least like there's so many berries here there's so many like blackberries and blueberries and there's grapes and I know he, you have to send them and you hear the box crackle once again um, you can't really make out what it's saying but you see the girl and it's like okay fine I'll leave a mark and talk can always come back later but I'm gonna g- yep yep I'm gonna grab as many berries as I can That's when you finally see it. In the hedge behind where the girl is, kind of reaching up and grabbing these berries and grabbing what she can, leaving this kind of, like, obvious mark on the ground of, like, a big X um, and beginning to, like, drag her foot along the ground, making, like, little ruts in it. You don't maybe see it until it's a little too late for her, but you see this large plant with a ginormous like pod-like um, in the very centre this large pod it's kind of this silvery brown colour to it and you can see that if it hadn't have moved you would not have seen it amongst all the kind of birch trees uh, we know them as birch trees You would just know them as some kind of tree that blends in very well <laughs> the white trees um, Yes, the white trees are the kind of like dark cracks in them. Um, you see it as finally it begins to move and you see one of these large, long tendrils that it has been moving itself across the ground with finally reach out and begin to track her movements and it's moving very, very quietly. Is there anything you want to do? There
3: are... Briefly contemplating whether or not they should do anything or use the opportunity to get away and use (laughs) this person as a distraction, but then they decide otherwise and they start running down the stairs, um, getting into the there is stairs right, yeah, getting 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 down to uh, the but but the ground 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 level (laughs) ground level and uh, see what they can do from there. Yeah, as you kind of like race your way down to the ground
2: level um, you see um, uh, the young woman and she's kind of like, again, just like make like she's not dragging her quite so much now like she's taking a few steps and then dragging again and taking a few steps and dragging again but you, as she kind of like passes the door of where you are and you can very kind of easily see how she looks around but she doesn't seem to have spotted you at all um, and that's when you see the tendril kind of like begin to just like lick the back of where her, her leg is And just as it does that, you hear this ticking sound, this kind of clicking and clacking, and it's coming from your left. You didn't see it when you came running down the stairs to try and figure out what to do about the situation you now find yourself in. And as you look, you see standing in the corner of the room this large pod with silvery and brown cracks to it, and you see its tendrils begin to slowly reach out towards you. And you hear this ticking, as you know, this kind of stalk on the inside is beginning to rattle against the side of the pods. And you see one of the other tendrils from the creature that's potentially following the other young lady begin to change its orientation and head towards the sound of the other ticking creature.
3: What do you want to do? They're taking out the the little hand guys they have uh, in their backpack. Yeah. And... They're basically they're trying to find like a um, a beeline to towards the person to uh, grab them and mm-hmm. maybe drag them out of harm's way and like be ready to slash at uh, any of the tendrils in case they come into harm's way and then try, try yeah. to drag them like in the direction of uh, <laughs> an exit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So like you as soon as you see this like instantly just like oh crap crap mode um, you managed to like bolt out before the tendril actually manages to lash itself around you very quickly and you hear like the ticking coming from the other pod that is making its way behind the girl and she can see she turns around and looks at you she hears the sound she hears you running and she sees you coming she looks at the creature and as you run for her she kind of grabs hold of your hand and basically starts running because she's that much taller than you and as you find out she's that much faster than you too oh, no, and she's you definitely feel like you're being <laughs> yeah you definitely feel like you're being dragged along as her hands are like locked inside yours and she kind of like looks panically around like she didn't even think she just grabbed you and started moving um as you are both running you notice that other pods you may have your own name for them but they are generally known in, in this world as hollow's crest you hear the sound of ticking coming from all around you now as you both begin to run as that first one begin to alert the world that yes there is something here and we can eat it um you see the tendrils just kind of shoot out and you see some of these pods begin to open and you see that large stick on the inside beginning to hit the sides of the pods very, very loudly and making it very obvious that there is something going on here. There's probably about four or five of them. Could you please make a dodge roll for me? I can try.
3: Hey, 15. Hard success. Fantastic. Um, one of
2: these pods just kind of lunges itself forward the entire pod as if it's about to close around you and you see this and you manage to just roll and dodge out the way the girl's hand like slips from yours um, as you begin to get out of the way this thing is it closes itself um, around where you used to be let's see how well she does uh oh as you kind of like drop out of her hand as you kind of like pull forward um your momentum also partially pulls her forward and you see one of these giant pots that kind of launched itself from the other side of like the road that you're kind of running down um narrowly miss grabbing her in the entirety but it does latch onto her foot as she kind of lands on the ground she did a really good at dodging but it was so close (laughs) so close to success but it was a failure as you see it just kind of like clamps around her ankle Uh, um,
3: as you hear the sounds of ticking getting more and more frantic from all around you Uh, I'm taking out the scythe and uh, um, slashing at the the tendril in in my hopes to get through them in one slash if you could make a fighting brawl check for me that would be great don't fuck me don't fuck no no Oh my god, the dice was rolling on eight and then it flipped. (laughs) It's a 10. Uh, No, wait, uh, 16. Success, yay. Yay. Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, you managed to like pull out your. I'm not gonna make you roll for it because you have enough damage. It was only kind of like partially clamped around her ankle. Um, But yeah, you managed to pull out your hand scythe and you just slashed down. I managed to completely like cut the tip of this pod off that are closed around her ankle and yeah you kind of like see this kind of like dark greenish fluid begin to flow out from it Um, and you see her kick it away and she kind of scrambles forward Um, and yeah like again
3: she kind of like gets herself up off the floor. Yeah uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, um, like put a hand under her arm and try to pull her up at the same time
2: yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's a mad dash scramble. Yeah. <laughs> um you can see that she like pulls out um from like that side bag as you're beginning to run. Um she pulls out like this uh like what looks like a small crossbow and she's very awkwardly trying to load it as she runs. Um but it's 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 okay. It looks very crude, like very like poorly made. Um but the bolt looks like it could do some real damage. There's like a, a hefty weight on the end of it you can see very easily. Um and you keep running down this road. Um you come to a fork in the road. Do you have any idea in which way you'd want to go? Or are you following your uh, rescued friend?
3: They're faster than me and probably dragging me most of the way along. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna let her because <laughs> I, I have no um, idea where to go either. I just want to get away.
2: Um, she seems to be knowing where she's going and she kind of like yeah as she's kind of like finally has the crossbow loaded she kind of like reaches back and just holds on a few secs so that you can catch up grabs hold of you and manages to continue propelling you forward Um, you see that as you're running um, towards this fork she definitely veers you off to the left which you aren't exactly sure which direction it is but she seems to know where she's going Um, and as you go that way you hear the ticking behind you get a little quieter and then a little quieter still, and you see her like kind of stop and pull pull you behind what looks like a this rusty metal pile in the middle of like the pathway that you're running behind it's like covered in grasses and plants, but they don't seem to be dangerous at all, and she pulls you to one side and like keeps your keeps you um keeps you both like down low, and you see the ticking plant you hear it getting closer and closer, but she kind of puts a finger to her lips and just Keeps you quiet. And you see this plant dragging itself along the ground, this giant pod just kind of like ticking and hissing and ticking. And you hear it ticks off in the distance as it seems to be responding. It's not a random ticking. You know that. You know it's not random. And you see it begin to slowly pass and make its way down the road. And then finally, it goes off into the bushes and into the trees. And then finally, the girl kind of like takes a bit of a breath and like sits down with her back against this like metal rust bucket that's behind you. Um, and she sees she untensions the crossbow. Um, she takes like a couple of breaths and she looks at you.
3: <sighs> Thank you. You're welcome. You, sh- you, should pay atten- you should pay more attention to your surroundings. I know. It's not safe. I know. It's foolish to be told I'm not really very good out here. You should um, not be allow- out here alone if you're not good at it. We need food and and seeds and plants. And I found some grapes and they have
2: seeds in them and berries and they have seeds in them. So at least what I got uh, can feed us for a little bit long. I'm I'm Arenda. I'm Lark. You don't seem very sure about that. Um, I'll call you Lark if you want me to.
3: Yes. Um, uh, Lark is going to um, point to the to the black box that they have and uh, say, yeah. that is too distracting. Not when you need to listen." Yeah, I, I, I don't know
2: what those things are, but they looked really dangerous. How did you? You look awfully lo- young to be out here on your own. Do I, need,
3: do I need to get you back somewhere? No. I... I live here. I I mean, I... I get around. I don't live here. I... I just... I go where those things are not.
2: If you want, I know a place that those places... Those things aren't. But well, we don't have a
3: lot of... Scary plants, where I live. Y- you can come with us if you want. Um, they look a little bit pensive and uh, unsure, but then they decide to take the chance and say, "Okay."
0: And
1: um,
3: cool.
2: Um, uh, she kind of like stands up and then just she realizes that she stands up that she's actually just still holding your hand um, <laughs> she just like self-consciously just lets go and puts her hands like in her in, she clearly has pockets in her in in, in,
3: in her butt area like just the same as they notice it they do this, this awkward thing where they're just looking awkwardly sorry everyone. about that um, um, we're safe now I think
2: yeah, yeah I, I think so um we need
3: to make you faster. You're very slow. I'm they would have gotten you. I'm better at climbing than running. I'm better at running than climbing. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, let's um
2: the um the people I'm with uh, and the boats down uh in this way. It is probably about ten minutes, not much. What is a boat? Um Mm. Uh, you see this like giant like metal car here, and she kind of taps the side of the thing very quietly, and you see like rust beginning to fall inside what we know as a car, but is this a giant rust bucket to you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, a giant rust bucket. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like this, but for the land and not brick. That's
3: a terrible description. I'm sorry. It, um, what what is it doing in water? It, 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 I think it water. <laughs> they don't like water. And, like, uh, <laughs> they, they chip a little bit at the rust that's, like, flaking off the, the colors. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I described that terribly. Um,
2: it's it's something that floats on the water. Uh, the plants don't seem to like crossing the water very much. And we can get on this... Um, it, Ours is made of something called carbon fiber or whatever. The, I, I don't really know what it's called. But it, it's something that floats in the water and we can get on it and go to an island where there isn't
3: those scary clicky things. I did not understand half of the words you said, but if there are no plants, I that sounds good.
2: Yeah, well, I think anything sounds better than that weird
3: ticking noise they made. It's Yeah. It keeps you awake at night. Well, um oh uh
2: so that's talk. You can see him coming up. And as you kind of like continue walking down this road, um you see this like kind of middle aged man. Um he's quite thin. Um he has a lot of tone to his muscles, but it's obviously he doesn't eat loads. I mean it is the apocalypse, so he's quite thin anyway. Um and he has like this kind of like um uh, like very like uh, tight jacket on um, and he looks like he knows how to handle himself. You can see him looking from side to side. He doesn't have one of these like little black boxes on him. Um, he can see that he has a backpack on but it's something that could be very easily like shrugged off if needed. Um, and you can see that he's carrying what looks like a really big fucking knife um, on his hip. Um, and he seems to move very quietly. And you see this older gentleman kind of like walking up the road and up the hill kind of towards where you are. And as you see... A little bit further out, you can see this. You can see the ocean. You can see water. Um, You can see it lapping against the side of the pier. And you see this wooden protrusion out into the ocean a little bit. And you see this, well, you see this kind of boat that is attached to it. And you can see this slightly older looking woman who has gray hair and she has like this pipe in her mouth. And you can see clouds of smoke going up as she keeps lighting it. She looks quite well built, um, she is quite big um, and it's obviously that she's had at least enough to eat in the apocalypse or at least that she's very physically strong um, and you see her waving at uh, the pair of you uh, with a bit of a quizzical look on her face um, but the gentleman reaches you first and he says
3: uh hi uh, new friend <laughs> Lark is gonna like subconsciously duck a little bit behind Arenda <laughs> <laughs> like not not the, not the, the awkward duck, but just a little bit like you know a little like a, a side step like a tiny little yeah. step to the back
2: <laughs> uh your friend then uh hi i'm i'm talk who are you lark nice uh i assume you wanna live to a place where there's none of these hellscape monsters trying to get us. They're they're nodding frantically. (laughs) (laughs) Good. You're gonna have to tell me how you managed to survive out here uh, so long, Uh, unless you have people you're supposed to get back to. No. Hmm. Come on then. Better feed you up. Short needs to be a bit taller, a bit stronger. You're gonna have to tell me how how well you've hidden from all this, all this stuff. Got to tell me everything. Oh, I'm small. Maybe we should get you
3: a decent knife. Uh, <laughs> <Do> you just <laughs> Lark is going to like uh, they they probably still have like uh, the hand sickle in their hand like they they're just yeah. like meekly like holding it up a little bit like I have this it's <laughs> good enough well you obviously know what you're
2: doing with it you survive this long so <laughs> there's nice. probably still the black fluid dripping from it <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 oh. probably saved a render then huh that's how you managed to be friends got it got it. All right, come on, you two, on the boat. Layla, Lark, Lark, Layla. I you see the old woman kind of like grunt and chewing on the end of her pipe still, <laughs> puffing away at it. And she kind of like, she doesn't really back up, but she points like kind of like to the front of the boat where uh, Arenda kind of like steps in and she kind of like, Arenda throws her hands up so that you can like
3: more easily climb or jump in. Um, yeah. As, yeah. as Lark passes by Leila, Lark is just going to like, it, uh, they say nothing, they're just, uh incline their head like politely a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you think Layla might possibly
2: approve of this because you're the only one not chatting up a storm. <laughs> 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 and as you notice that the the boat begins to get going, you see that um that Layla puffing away starts rowing this boat out towards what looks like an island um in the middle of like this kind of bay area. It takes a little while to get there. I didn't know that the plants didn't go,
3: go over the water.
2: They really don't like it. There are some like plants, like if you look over the side of the boat, um, you can see there's some plants on the bottom and they're a little bit weird as well. But for the most part the most
3: dangerous ones don't really bother us on the island, so uh, Lark is gonna lean <laughs> over the boat, look, see the plants and take uh, like shudder a little bit. Like they have to resist the impulse to just like slash them away with a handsickle. Like if they yeah, say it's quite okay, then they probably have a reason.
2: <laughs> Yeah, they're quite far down and you can see like lots of different colors and some of them seem to be glowing weirdly as well. Um, but yeah, they are quite a distance below you at this point. Oh, okay.
3: Um, I thought you meant like on the side of the boat. You you, you mean like oh algae no. or whatever, like uh, seaweed or whatever. <laughs> yeah, seaweed at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> okay. Um,
2: yeah. And yeah, we basically, uh, we see Arenda and Lark and Tork and Leila um, just rowing their way towards this large island in the middle of the ocean. And as, like, you kind of are going forward, Arenda says, So, um, Lark, welcome to Driftwoods. It's kind of safe. Mostly. I... Thank you. Sully's prequel... The Collective is a group of people banding together with the goal of helping humanity survive within this plant-based eldritch apocalypse. They have many small outposts, and one such collective is called Despasar, where a politician is balancing hard decisions and family life. We find ourselves this evening in a home. This home houses three people. It houses Revan... His daughter Brithiel, who we're just going to be calling Brie, and also Revan's brother. So Aethel, who is Revan's brother.
4: I'm going to be playing a man named Sully. Uh, Sully's a 39 year old man. Um, he has a um, kind of uh, white-ish hair, but you see, can see like the remnants of uh, dark, dark brown in there, but it's mostly gone, and it started thin really, really badly. Um, Age, has, age and weather has kind of taken a toll on him. He spent a lot of time outdoors in his uh, young adult years, but he spent a lot of time indoors recently. So the color kind of has faded. But he still has that like kind of you can see it when you look at him that he spent a lot of time outdoors. Like um, what's it called? Weather beaten skin. I think it's the phrasing.
2: Yeah yeah uh
4: he's wearing rather mundane clothes. Uh, if I understand correctly where he is right now, he's probably wearing some very comfortable clothes uh, as, <laughs> as he yeah. frets over papers and books and uh, piles of data that he's trying to scour yeah. through. Um, he carries himself with a air of um what's the word I'm looking for trained uh like rhythm. Uh, I'm imagining he's sitting at a desk right now, and he's not doing that hunched over thing. Like he is a man that has spent uh, years being told how to do things, and he has learned how to do them. And as such, he sits uh, straight backed. Uh, he has his like chair set in the right position. He has his paper set in this right position. He probably even has a little stand to put the papers on if he needs to read them at a long time, so he doesn't crook <laughs> his neck. I'm imagining he's like, um, like you can tell when you uh, like if you were to see him in that moment. It's like. Like he's been doing this for a very long time, or if he hasn't, he like he read how to do this at some point because this is not a natural way of like doing these things.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um so we find Sully this evening um essentially in one corner of kind of the living room area. Um it's not particularly big. None of the houses here in your particular collective are all that big. Um but you are afforded some luxuries compared to others thanks to Revan's job. You, We find Sully in the corner of the living room at a desk. He is currently writing something, researching through things. Um, and you hear the sounds of uh, Bree, kind of like off to one side, like in the kitchen laughing and uh, talking to a slightly older boy um, who happens to be Sully's son, whose name is Vivaldi. And you can hear the pair of them just talking away as Vivaldi is helping Brie with her homework or helping her, like, uh, or making her food or dinner. It is quite late in the evening. And you would have expected Revan to be back by now, but he is sorely not here yet. Okay. Is there anything you want to do as you hear your son and your niece just causing a little bit of ruckus in the kitchen area?
4: Yeah. I think. If if it's getting close to dinner time and uh, Reven hasn't returned yet, I think uh, yeah. Sully would, like, organize his papers. Like, he puts little, like, notes and markers on each paper. He, like, piles them up. Like, okay, this is where I was. This is where I'm going. Okay, these are the next papers I'm going to do. He puts them all away. And then he gets up, puts his, the chair all the way up to the table before he walks away. And he's going to enter the kitchen. Um, Are you kids Okay.
2: Um, you see, just as you say that, um, you see that um, Vivaldi and Brie have set up this weird little game involving old elastic bands. And you can see that they have these tiny little wads and little like peas or like small objects, and they're shooting them at cans that are on like sitting on the on the, the kitchen windowsill. Um, and you see that Brie just seems to be nailing this one after another and they just seem to be like happily giggling
4: away. Ah. Huh. Uh, that's uh. I hope those are not uh, what were supposed to be for dinner. He says as he walks past it. I think he's gonna grab like a bag of whatever they're shooting. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, they're just like, um, like trail mix, <laughs> just like really old and like really hard, and it's not good at all. Um, it's definitely like a scavenge. Um, it's not, it's not good.
4: <laughs> okay. Ah, fine, fine. But Bree, you know you shouldn't play with food.
2: I'm sorry.
4: No problem. Uh, Remen was supposed to be home by now, right? I'm not losing track of time. The clock out there is at six.
2: Yeah. Um, Dad said he'd be home a little bit late today. I'm sorry, did he not tell you?
4: Mm, he may have. I've been very distracted.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of Dad, um, uh, we've already eaten you seemed lost when i tried to hand you your dinner earlier
4: uh revan like leans out to see if there's a plate of something in the living room do you mean sully what did i say revan, <laughs> yeah. Uh, revan S- yeah sully leans out to like see if there's a plate or something in the living room
2: yeah it's like on a small table that has clearly been moved next to your desk
4: oh um thank you Vivaldi uh Sorry, I've just been it's a lot going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, we know. Um, I, I thought I'd, I'd make some dinner. Um, look, I, I know that you're uh, really busy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Uh, this is gonna be awkward. And Bree just literally like shoots away from the kitchen, and like Vivaldi has like his hands and his like at his side and his pockets, and he's like obviously like looking a little bit like distressed. I guess. Okay. Um,
4: um, Vivaldi, and have says, a seat he sits down uh, Sully sits, sits opposite him
2: uh, yeah um, look, I, I know that you're really busy with, with yeah, the speech I,
4: tomorrow thank you very much for taking care of Brie
2: ah, no worries she's, she's funny <laughs> she's fine um uh, no, it's um I really need to talk to you about something and I know that you're really busy right now and trying to I've been trying for the last like three weeks to talk to you and um it's not easy.
4: Okay. Um go ahead. I already Intent is to start cooking. I put my notes away. I've got 20 minutes for you, boy.
2: <sighs> yeah. Could you take a psychology check for me, please?
4: Uh, that's a success.
2: Hmm. Uh, he has that kind of like... You've hit a sore spot when you said you've got 20 minutes for him. Um. It's that, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, uh-huh, yep, yeah, exactly my point. Without saying that, you've clearly hit a sore point with him.
4: All right. Uh, so he's got to, like, foul that to, like, the side of, like, all right, fine, I'll make time for him tomorrow after the speech.
2: <laughs> <sighs> um, and, and he says, yeah, um, sure. Uh, uh, look, uh... Look, I I know you're busy, and I think I can hear Uncle Revan coming, so um, can you give me, like, some actual time tomorrow morning?
4: Yep, and Sully goes into uh, his pocket, and he gets out a notebook scheduler thingy, and he just, like, goes through it like, um, the speech goes until 3 p.m., then I have the meeting with the reporter guy, and if things go well, we have a thing at 5. Uh, don't okay.
2: think it that you're meeting with the admin guy at 10 tomorrow.
4: Right, yes. Uh, okay. Um, this seems to be important, so let's just book this for the evening, okay? I, I, I don't have anything in the evening. I shouldn't have anything in the evening. So, like, sharp, 6 o'clock. I'll come here. I'll cook something nice for us, just the two of us, and we'll have something good to eat. I'll get some meat, like like good old fashioned meat.
2: Easy has like has a bit of a smile. Um, Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be good, Dad.
4: Um, You could grill it, you know, in the backyard. There's a fire pit out there we never turn on anymore.
2: Yeah, I think the last time we had grilled food, I think um, the was Breeze Age. <laughs> it That's was good though.
4: Really, been that long? Yep. Yeah. All right. You've uh. been
2: busy. Uh, not that I mind. I understand what you're doing for the collective is really important. Dad. Like, I don't, I don't blame you for not having time.
3: I get it.
4: It's not important. It's necessary. They are ignoring the incoming cataclysm that will hit all of us if they don't change their ways. And there won't be a collective if I don't help them. Yeah.
2: Like I said, what you're doing is important, Dad. I I do believe that. Say, I'm going to head back home to mum's.
4: Oh, you're staying on your mum's tonight?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I know I sit here, but um, I think...
4: You're a grown man. You can kay. make the decisions yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I promised mum I'd help her out this evening before tomorrow, so...
4: What are you guys up to? He asks that coyly as if he doesn't care.
2: (laughs) Um, Just, you know, moving stuff around, helping her reorganize for the move, you know, when I move out. So, all right, well, uh, see you tomorrow. And he kind of like grabs his jacket and just like throws it over his shoulder and you hear him like open the door and you hear like another voice. You very quickly recognize Revan. Mm-hmm. Could you make a listen check for me, please?
4: Nah, I don't catch that. Uh says a fail? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Um you hear them like speaking very quietly. Um and then a few moments later you hear the door close and you hear Vivaldi like make his way across the kind of like area it's just outside the house. And you see like Revan coming in. And you can immediately tell that Revan's eyes are kind of very bloodshot. Um, and you can see that his face is just a blotchy mess, um, and he's just kind of shaking. The second that he uses, you, you see him.
4: Uh, I think Sully gets up from the chair. I think he was probably going through his scheduler kind of absentmindedly when the when his son left. So yeah. he like when he hears the door close and he manages like take in what is what it looks like. He just kind of closes the book like, Revan, Revan... <sighs>
2: What's- yeah, you can see kind of like. So Revan is uh, quite a quite a thin guy. Um, he went kind of balding a long time ago. Um, he's like very thin and very weedy, um, and he has like no real strength to him. Um, he's always been the nerdier of the two, um, and he looks it.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh-
2: um, and. Yeah, you can see that he's like not exactly struggling to stand, but he's definitely using the walls and reaching out for the the kind of arm uh, the kind of the chair that um Vivaldi had just left and just kind of very quickly like drops himself into it. There's like an audible like creak of the chair as he lands in it.
4: Uh yeah, okay. He throws himself on the chair. He's not gonna get himself to danger. Uh suddenly he just kind of like rubs his head and just like, ah oh, yeah, this is what I need. <laughs> he goes into the living room where I'm assuming he has set himself down. And uh, yeah. Sully's going to grab the chair that he was working at the desk with. And he's going to move it over to where Revan is sitting. And he's going to put it yeah. down, sit down. And he's going to, uh, like, he's going to steeple his fingers in, in his in his, uh, in his lap and assume a position that he has done many, many times before where people are having nervous breakdowns or drunken anger fits. And he's going to get ready to listen to some, some, somebody's problems that he can't do anything about.
2: Yeah. Um, this isn't a normal, normal thing with uh, Revan, but it's... It's something that's definitely no, but done before with him.
4: Sully 100% is currently assuming this is something to do with uh, Bree's late mother or missing mother or the person that Sully never brings up, really, unless he's <laughs> super drunk.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, how will she get the fuck away from me? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Revan? Yeah. Uh, where's yeah Bree?
4: Bree's already eaten. Uh, Vivaldi made sure of it. I think she's in her room right now. I think Vivaldi taught her some kind of game with rubber bands. Good.
2: That's good. You can see, like, he puts a hand across his face, and you can see that he's just wiping tears out of his eyes. Um, Yeah,
4: Yeah, you do not want Bree to see you like this right now. Oh, Sully.
2: Fuck. everything I've worked for is gone.
4: Okay, I'm, I'm assuming you're being dramatic because you're drunk. But Prius <laughs> here. I am still here.
2: Shockingly not drunk. Okay. You know, I warned you. I told you that they were gonna do something to my project, that they had that he come in, be my yeah. boss. Yeah. He did. It. He took me off the project, and now instead of trying to figure out our power problem, I am recalibrating wind farms. Sully, I'm so goddamn close.
4: They took you off the power project. Yeah. They can't they do that. Don't They're... think. You've been working on they that don't think... for well over fifteen years.
2: They don't believe in it. They don't. They don't believe in the things that I have found and researched and studied. And Sully, if, if I could just get, if I could just get a little bit more of of the carrot particles, I could, I could show them. It's not just feelings and and ideas and theories that they think it is. I have actual numbers. I have actual data, and I can. I can make this work if I had enough material and I had the right equipment, but they don't think it's worth the effort and they've just taken me off it and they've put me on fucking wind farms. And he just, like, gets up and just, like, you know that he would throw something, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to make too much noise to disturb Bree. You can see him, like, reach out for something and just close his fist and just start pacing.
4: All right. Uh, Come on, Revan and he's going to like grab his shirt and start moving him and th- he's taking him to the backyard.
2: Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, no like it's it's really small. Yeah, yeah it's there small. There is one.
4: But it's <laughs> outside.
2: And importantly, it's paved. Yes. It's it's none of this grass shit. Um it is it is like covered in 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 tiles and pavement. Um yeah.
4: So he's going to start rooting around in the, like, little, like, uh, storage container they have out there for, like, a little bit of firewood that he had set aside. Making a mental note, I need to buy more firewood for tomorrow. He's going to throw it in the fire pit and start the fire. Sit down, sit down.
2: You can see that he just, like, slumps down in, like, a chair that's, like, kind of nearby to the fire pit.
4: (sighs) Okay. They set this kit in, like... What was it? Like three months ago? Yeah, I and told you. I
2: told you they were sending him in to stop me on this goddamn project. What <sighs> kid
4: is this? Where did he come from? How does he have power over you?
2: He's young. Smoozes the right people. Ah. Uh, oh no, Sally. I I don't know how the fuck he got this. They don't believe in what I'm doing, and if I don't. If I don't fix this power problem, there's no amount of recalibrating that wind farm is going gonna, is gonna to make up for that power shortfall we're going to have. We are going to run out of energy so soon, everything is going to fall to shit.
4: I know. No, I know. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing.
2: I know. And, Sally, I, I can't. If If those fences fail, I can't make it out there. I'm not you. I'm not strong. I can't make it out there.
4: Okay. You need a beer. But we don't have any. No, I, I don't. But you need to I calm don't down. You need a beer. No, you need to calm down. That's what you need to do. First of all, nothing bad's gonna happen to you, pre or. You, pre or Vivaldi. Nothing bad. I've taken care of more useless people out there than the four, three of you. Vivaldi is a good boy, and he can take care of himself. I believe in him 100%. And Bree is coming along nicely. Yes, you would be a burden, but you'd be a burden that we love. Like a a, a puppy with three legs. (laughs) Thanks. I I know what you mean.
2: Thanks.
4: (sighs) Fuck, man. Wind farms, really? Yeah. That's what they put the new kids on.
2: Yeah. I don't know what I've done to piss anyone off, Sally. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's you. I don't know if it's Vivaldi. I don't know if it's the fact that Bree's mum up and left. I don't know. I, just, I don't understand how they can look at the data and decide it's not worth pursuing. It is. I know, maybe it is me. Maybe it's because I won't go out and find the ship myself. I just, I can't.
4: You know exactly why it is. They're useless paper pushers who see nothing... But and data, they will never invest in anything that doesn't bring them instant gratitude.
2: I know. I know. I'm just glad that you can at least listen to me when I tell you what the numbers mean.
4: I don't know. I'm not you. I don't know what these numbers mean. But I trust you, and I trust your ingenuity, your intuition. You've never let me wrong... I know that you just need, what did you call them? Karak. They're Karak particles. Karak particles.
2: Uh, for you, K-A-R-A-K.
4: You know I've been asking about them on the reclamation missions and when I get to deal with I the know. traders, I've been keeping my eyes out for it, but there's nobody collecting this. And I don't know how to describe it well enough. I, nobody's smart enough out there. There are bunch of hillbillies out there.
2: No, they just. They didn't get the same education I did, that's all, Sally. You could get it too if you applied. But I'm just glad that you're stronger than me.
4: Not stronger. Just different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's why you pick up the violin and I got the fiddle. <laughs>
4: Fuck. It's just because I had bigger hands, you know that. <sighs> Sally, you gotta win tomorrow. I will. I've got all the data I need. I've got everything clearly laid out. I can easily point out that we've been clearly lacking in our power production while up- increasing our uh, manufacturing. We're trading out more than we're creating. This is an, this, We're circling the drain. It's clear. It's just... A lot of the data isn't exactly readily available. I don't have access to, like, the fundamental numbers, but I I can clearly show from my experience and from a lot of people that are reputable that, like, this is happening.
2: Just remember not to expose us once we gave you the information, okay?
4: No, of course not, of course not. I should have more than enough to... Make it obvious to anybody who's listening that this is a problem. What's the name of that kid? Gustabulus. Tubulus.
2: <sighs> Came in with a lot about ten years ago. Heard me wrong, he is smart. He's not an idiot.
4: He's misguided, I guess. He's not smart, he's charismatic. He's managed to trick the right people in the right places, or I may be underestimating him. He may be smart and charismatic.
0: <sighs>
2: Deadly combination, eh?
4: That's why mom and dad gave you the wits.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna waste him on you, are they? And he kind of reaches over and, like, offhandedly, like, slaps your shoulder. <laughs> Uh, you see him like rub, uh, like furiously rub at his his face and his eyes, and he kind of looks back at you. And is like, "What do you think?
4: Care enough to chat with Bree?" No, absolutely not. Sit there for another fifteen minutes. Think about what words you're going to use with her tonight. Don't fuck this up. She does not need to know her father was crying.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Go on, go in. I'm alright.
4: Sully gets up. We're gonna fix this, brother. Ralph's prequel.
2: Just because someone is alive and in the apocalypse, it does not mean that they're friendly nor that they can be trusted. Good deeds sometimes come with ulterior motives, and sudden help often comes at a price. Distrust is a default setting. It just doesn't feel fair when you're the one who tried to do good. And yet, you're the one tied up. You hear the blinking of lights coming on. And then what sounds like a very high-pitched whine. And as you open your eyes, you see in front of you rows and rows of tables with what looks like little planters on top of all of them, growing different types of vegetables and fruits and all sorts. The room is pretty big and you find yourself quite close to the door. There's a single door in and out. And you find that your wrist is, there's something on it. It's quite tight. And as you look down, you realize that there is some sort of manacle on it. And as you look to one side, you see that it is attached to a pipe. You're able to get up and move around. It's, you know, you're not stuck to the floor. You can move up and around where the pipes are, but you can't get very far. So, Neil, who are we looking at?
1: Ralph Jackson is kind of average height. He has green eyes and kind of short auburn hair. It kind of naturally sticks up a bit on top. And uh, I think he's just in regular clothes now, <laughs> as he finds himself uh, <laughs> here. He's probably not super kitted at the moment, um, handcuffed to a pipe. So,
2: <laughs> yeah. So we're not expecting, you know, leather jackets yeah, and spiky knee pads. My, it's my trousers. fancy machete sure,
1: sure. or any any fun no. things that I no could pistols, use to fit myself like in that. this situation. <laughs> no. Nothing
2: like that. No. Alas, you find yourself just wearing your everyday clothes, handcuffed to a pipe inside of what looks like a grow room. Um, The door opens, and you see, through kind of like the the, the opening of the door, you see a young woman with kind of blondish um, shoulder-length hair and kind of like kind of like bluish green eyes they're kind of like you can't quite get them but you kind of immediately stop seeing her as the door closes and you focus in on the slightly older man um standing in front of you he has um short kind of like blackish hair with like obvious showings of gray coming through it is like yep in a year's time this man is gonna be fully gray um He looks quite well built. Um, He isn't lean. He also looks like he's had enough to eat here in the Apocalypse. Um, But he is he's not carrying spare he's not carrying anything spare on his frame. He looks like he is uh, quite capable and handy. Um, Whereas you look like you've possibly gone to seed a little bit. He definitely looks quite physically fit um, if a little bit older. A little hunch to his shoulders but old man strength sort of thing. Um. He's wearing a casual shirt and trousers. And you can see that um, across his eyes, he's wearing what looks like a, like we would call it a VR headset, but not quite as like bulky as ours are. Um, like from your observations, you would have seen that this is something that's quite common among the people um, that are basically holding you right now. Um, and yeah, you can't really see his eyes very much at all. Um, and he looks at you Um he turns his head to look at you and sees that you're standing and kind of like nods once and he says Ralph Kel- Keldin? uh he he nods once um you can tell that he's definitely keeping a distance from you um so he's not like at the other end of the room but he's definitely staying far enough away that you can't reach out with your arm to touch him um he's just uh, giving you space <laughs> so this conversation is going to be a little bit awkward. Um, I guess I should start by saying thank you.
1: He kind of wiggles the headcuff cuff jingle uh, as he raises <laughs> it slightly.
2: For our own protection, I'm sure you understand.
1: Look, I um. Right, so I've been watching you, eh? You know that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the three of us understand that. You've been watching us pretty much the whole time, right?
1: Right. I I know what you have here. He gestures to where he knows the computers to be. Yeah. I know that this is a lot more complicated than that, but the short answer is I i know what you have here. I find it valuable. I know you are protective over it, as you should be.
2: Oh, yeah. The old world might have gone, but what they left behind in those computers could be invaluable for restarting when things have, you know, gotten back to normal. We understand that your lot's been watching us.
1: I know this sounds weird, but I just want to help me. I, I don't want trouble. He's clearly nervous. Um he's changed to a pipe. Yeah. Um this is a tense conversation. <laughs> he just he's just uncomfortable, but he's not
2: Yeah, like you can I'm not gonna make you roll a psychology or a psychoanalysis yeah. or anything like that. Um but it, it is clearly obvious that this guy that you're talking to, Keldon is also very nervous and very uncomfortable. He he obviously doesn't know how to <laughs> deal with what's going on, but he's doing his best. <laughs> so like he you can tell that he's feeling the same and he sees that you are in a in a similar predicament. Um I know that you lot haven't really been... Well, the thing is, I guess I just want to know why you saved the rest of us.
1: Right. I don't know that I could be here alone, you know, I... I... All right um, We all needed to survive in that situation, right? Right.
2: You understand that we've got to survive too, you know, the three of us.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be trouble around, you know.
2: I, I know this is weird for everyone involved, us, you, and I want to help, but you understand the position that helping you out puts us in, right? We can't really trust you.
1: Oh, um, I know. I, look, you don't have to give me any power or control down here. I want to, if I'm able to, use the computers and, and, and learn and help, if possible, collect things. You know, I, 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 like I said, I, I find what is down here and what you have and. The things that you're protecting from the old world here are intriguing. They're... I wouldn't know where to find anything else like this.
2: If if you're up to me, I...
1: I know. I can probably take a guess. This is complicated, though, right?
2: You're probably well aware of what we could do to you. And You saved us by coming back here. Give it a shot to try, maybe. But we really, the three of us have to talk.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not asking anything from you. You've got to do what you've got to do and you're gonna.
2: Yeah. I mean, the least of it is that well, the three of us kind of owe you our lives... No. ...for getting us back here safe. So...
1: I, uh... Don't... Don't worry about that.
2: The, I'm not wrong in thinking that this is the first time that you've spoken to my lot, right? That you didn't get any of the others... You didn't speak to any of the others before they... No can imagine it's difficult.
1: I know what's happening, but, you know, what can you do?
2: I kind of wondered if you'd always knew what we were up to. I know you're always watching, but, like,
1: but my eyes kind of creepy. been watching for a while, no. yeah. Um,
2: okay, well, um, it, it really sorry. depends on what. I'm sorry too, I, I guess. This can't be... I, this ain't easy for us, but I know it's probably not easy for you. And The three of us have got to talk before we decide what to do with, well, you, for starters.
1: Of course. If there's anything I can help you understand, I don't know what more insight I could have on anything than you, but I'm...
2: I mean, we've got lots of questions about you and how long exactly you have been able to watch us, and if you're willing to help us learn, uh, I might be able to persuade the others to find a way to let you stay.
1: Do what you gotta do, eh? But I'm I'm not gonna ask you for anything. You know what I value here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same reason most of us are still here. It's, what we've got here is important. We can't let it get raided or destroyed.
1: You don't just live on all the food here, gesturing to the food <laughs> and the thing. You require other things as well. And, um information by my understanding has been good for you to trade so you've been living on it
2: medicines foods good
1: as good as gold for you
2: it gives us purpose I guess helps spread that information as well when we can I mean yeah we need medicine and food and water and all the other good stuff but clothes it's good for us to have a purpose
1: there's not many of you left down here.
2: No, sadly not.
1: I didn't know a lot of them. We're to see them. They were gone before I was really paying much attention.
2: It's just another reason when we can't really trust you. I'm um, sorry, mate.
1: I understand.
2: <sighs> he kind of takes a deep breath... And he takes a few steps forward and he puts her hand out to you. If nothing else, thank you.
1: It's almost hesitant, but it's hard to describe. Um, Yeah, he lifts his hand (laughs) and very slowly accepts a normal handshake and kind of takes a second glance down at his hand. (laughs) Puts it back down to his side kind of awkwardly and... um, Gives a nod.
2: All right. You see him turn his head and you hear him shout. All right, Lillian. Lights out. Hi, everyone. It's V here. Thank you all so much for listening to our first episode. Well, our first prequel, I guess, um, where we get to learn about at least three of the players who are playing with us in this story. Um, this was a lot of fun there's a lot of things being set up. We have a lot more prequels also record, recorded which we call uh, footnotes. There'll be little additions that we sprinkle throughout the episodes and yeah, really thank you so much for giving this a chance. The first episode uh, for the actual story should be out fairly soon and keep an eye on those and Yeah, just really thank you. If you want to be able to help us out, then it would be amazing if you could just start telling people about the show. Just um, tell your friends, share them in your Discord, on the Facebooks, the Twitters, where you can also find us. Just tell people about us and get them to come listen. Um, We're really excited to be able to share this story. It's definitely very different from what we've done anywhere else. It's a different system called Cthulhu and it's a very different story, sort of different table dynamic. Neil is going ham on the music and the editing and we're so stoked uh, for this to start like coming out. I have, so far, in creating the backstories and me making the maps and making all of the characters that are important, um, I've used something like 70 names from the Not A Pete Fund, uh, from our patrons who basically throw out a name for us to use for plants, places, people, pests, that kind of thing. Um, So I've gone through 70 of them so far, and I am still adding a lot to the world in the background, even though we've started recording. I could sit here and list over 20 patrons who've helped us out and over the 70 names that I have drawn so far. But that would be like a 10-minute recording of me listing names, and I don't think that's... (sighs) I don't want to forget anyone <laughs> to be honest and I don't want to bore y'all and I don't want y'all to miss the fact that you've been shouted out or not receive the proper thanks so we're going to record everything we've used in the backstories so far and everything I've used in world building so far we're going to do them in little batches so at the end of each episode we'll have like a small amount of names thanked until we catch up to the backlog that I have of like 70 plus names any names that we pull literally in the in the episode, so like, where we come across, like, a travelling merchant and I don't have a name. When we pull that, we'll directly thank that on the episode and we will keep doing that as we go along. But anything that I've used in the background, we're going to do in batches. So listen out over the next six or seven episodes. You'll If your name has been used, you'll probably hear a thank you at some point. So, yeah, let me crack on with those. Um, we're going to start with Arista slash Holly. Um, thank you for the names Clarissa, Asta, Sarabelle and Safira. Blessed White Tiger for Horelim slash Lim, Revan and Keldon, Burgeteer for Solaris, Frost and Richter, Dark Illusion for Isham Cell, Tedrono, and Dave slash Try for Anori. Thank you all so much. You have definitely started making our world and listen out to the next episode for the next batch of names that we uh, thank. think. And, of course, uh, joining me, now that we've thanked all of our beautiful patrons for their help in creating our world, is going to join me to talk about Quest Portal, which is a sponsor that we have for the first few episodes of The Sprouting. They're amazing. Um, all right. We are here to talk to you about our sponsor called Quest Portal.
4: And it's actually an Icelandic sponsor.
2: What is Quest Portal?
4: Well, uh, they're a virtual tabletop website, so you can go on there, you can create characters, and you can roll dice. But they've they've got so much more than that. Yeah,
2: it's it's freaking awesome. The the entire point of pull and their like design philosophy and the reason they put in the features that they do and the reason that they they kind of upgrade them all to make it easier to play tabletop role playing games, no matter what the system is. They've started primarily focusing on Call of Cthulhu, which mm-hmm. you know kind of hand in hand with what the Sprouting does, mm-hmm. and it's all about lubricating up those friction points for GMs and keepers and for people to even start playing at the table.
4: Yeah, and they've got, like, a bunch of little features. Yes, we're just kind of getting to bullet points of uh, things that are in here. (laughs) But uh, they've got a bunch of features. They've got voice chats built into the system. They have such a variety of ways to, like, play. They've got music that you can play through the browsers. They've got backdrop maps. They've got tokens. You can create as many characters as you want. You can create as many campaigns as you want. Which is incredibly
2: helpful. <laughs> yeah. um, the backdrops and the music and the maps Aether
4: was talking about, it's
2: all like already there. You just have to pick what you want to put in each of the scenes and it's mm-hmm. it's super easy to use. And the fact that there's so much there and it's all like Free?
4: Yeah.
2: Easy <laughs> to access. easy to use.
4: Yeah, easy to access, easy to use. And they have like an inbuilt library with all the like published SRDs as they're called. Yeah, if you don't, they have don't like, know the SRDs
2: for um, Call of Cthulhu and they have the SRDs for um, Forged in the Dark which uses the Blaze in the Dark system um, and they have the Dungeons & Dragons 5E um, SRD as well. And they have character sheets specifically for Call of Cthulhu and they're going to expand them out to other sheets in the future and they have a universal sheet so even us indie makers of RPGs can make your own systems and make your own campaigns and share it with your friends because you can do that too. You can make versions of your campaigns, you can copy them and you can hand them over to other people. As a side note, we've met them, Aether and I, <laughs> and they're just such dope people.
4: (laughs) We don't just like them because they gave us a set of dice. We like them because they're very dope people.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and they're really good at taking on feedback and their Discord is always filled with people like, hey, how about this improvement or this feature would make running my game a lot easier? Mm -hmm. They're really good and really responsive at that and... They're a startup. They've been around for a little while. Aether and I were there during the alpha testing. So Mm -hmm. these guys are really good. Um, We really want to see them succeed. And that's why we're using them.
4: We started using their system before we even knew who they were in our home uh, Call of Cthulhu game we're playing with our friends. Yep. So if that sounds interesting to you, it's completely free to use. And we would love if you use the link down in the description or just wrote questportal.com into your browser and go check them out. They're very cool and we appreciate their support so wholeheartedly.
2: And that's pretty much it. All right, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
4: This has been a Lighthouse Studio production. Thank you for tuning in.
0: Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Ever since I was born, I could hear the spirits of the other world. Where old stories take on a new life.
3: If you break even one of these conditions, the consequence is death. And the world is teeming with possibilities. It's midnight, girls! They're here! Get ready to change! Well, For the last time, we're not kissing, Vince!